All right, guys, welcome to another edition of Texans Unfiltered, a Houston football podcast for your Houston Texans. I am Young Ari Gold, a.k.a. James Carlson. I am here with my host and friend, John Wade, the Garnet Texan. And John, uh, John's doing a ton of traveling, by the way. Like, uh, always, <laughs> he's an L.A. guy now. Um, it's really interesting how quick that could change. Now he's always in L.A. Uh, John, how was, how was Disneyland and, and your time in L.A.? Dude, it was absolutely amazing. Um, we did the uh, the Oogie Boogie Bash, which is like the uh, the Disneyland Christmas party. Yeah, and it's over at Del- uh, Disney California Adventure. Oh, did I say did I say Christmas? I meant Halloween. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah, Halloween Adventure. It's the, uh, well, it's the uh, it's the villain from the Nightmare Before Christmas, um, and it is absolutely amazing. Of course, it's Disney. When they do things right, they do things absolutely right, and I strongly recommend it to anybody that that can go out there one year and if especially if they like Halloween to give it a try and then of course I'm um, just going to Disneyland and all that you know without the kids um, can be fun in its in its own way um, getting to experience a lot of different things that I never got to, to experience when I would take Jack so it's been it's been a lot of fun um, and you know and I'm just really it's really awesome like right now because my job lets me do this like I was able to work in the morning before before going out there. I was able to work on the airplane. So, you know, just enjoying that. However, besides that, I am actually incredibly pissed off that I have yet to watch a clean version of the uh, the Texans game. Cuz you know, we live both of us live outside Austin. Yeah. And even though we're both closer to Houston than we are to Dallas, there is no way to legally watch the Texans play. And they play at the same time as the Cowboys on CBS. Yeah, I was super irritated. Bullshit. It was, I was absolute super irritated bullshit. this week because it was just like I, I don't like I don't like watching from a computer. I, and the stream is like I like my favorite part about watching the game live is being able to interact on Twitter too. But like when you're watching on a computer and you're watching a stream, you're 90 seconds behind. So therefore, you can't hop on social media and start to have these interactions because you're behind and you're seeing things like I tried to have red zone open at the same time I was watching this. And I saw like the pass interference before I actually saw the pass interference. Like it was just, it totally ruined the experience. Uh, hopefully this Dude, week it'll be a little bit streaming. Different. Streaming is shit. Like that I'm too. Sitting there, you're, you're sitting there and you're refreshing. You're always dealing with the pop-ups, like trying, everybody's like, Oh, try this side or try that side. And then it, they're all trash. Say, and they're all, they're all trash. And you kind of luck out and you get a good stream for 30 minutes but you're still behind. And I mean, it just pisses me off because I pay for FUBU. I pay for NFL Plus. I pay for Paramount. I mean, not all for football, but all the ways you're supposed to legally pay for it. And you still can't watch a game. It used to be yeah. with CBS that would give you the, alter- the, all- the alternate broadcast. Um, and for whatever reason this year, they've stopped doing that. If anything, Oh, Johnny there. Oh, you broke up. John's got that downtown Wi Fi right now. Cause me to stop, you know? I yeah, supposedly you, have fiber. Yeah, you, you dropped pretty drastically. Um, no, I agree. I, uh, streaming is just, it, it's a shit show. It doesn't really make sense. Um, but I guess it, it kind of is what it is at this point. Like, it's better than nothing. Um, it's better than nothing, but for what we pay and what we go through, like why on earth, why on earth do we still have to do that shit? Yeah. Uh, all right. So a lot to get into. Uh, 
pretty big agenda. I think first what I wanted to do was I think on on Twitter and just Texans fans in general, there's this there's like the Mills crowd and the non-Mills crowd. And I think a lot of it is misunderstandings on both sides. Um, so I wanted to like reset what my expectations and thoughts of Davis Mills were so that it can be pretty clear and concise moving forward. When you invest only a third round pick in a quarterback and you get what you got from Mills at the end of last season, you're, there's a there's an opportunity for hope that you will see him continue to develop and get better. And as a fan, I would much rather Davis Mills get better and develop and potentially turn into, you know, a top 15 franchise quarterback uh, and, you know, just be, be, be the guy, you know, whether it's Kirk Cousins or whatever ceiling you want to put on him, um, that's fine. Like you can win. I, I honestly believe you can win with Kirk Cousins. Um with the right defense, it's got to be like 2012 defense type of thing, but you can win with Kirk cousins. Um, and so like what I would rather is have a little bit of hope with mills that he gets it right and starts to develop and show some development and show he's getting better and us save the investment of a first round pick on a quarterback that is also truly, if, if we are breaking it down, is also just another like look at hope it's it's a different there's more hope but it's still hope nothing is guaranteed in any form or fashion um and yeah um, i mean i I think people just don't realize that like i think they they see people want mills to succeed and they just like oh you're such a you you know you're you're you got rose-colored glasses on all these things and it's more or less like that's not the case the texans are a better team if mills works out than if Mills does not work out. Because now you're able to spend all that draft capital on other positions to make the team better quicker. Yeah, I mean, it's, in my opinion, it's too early for this shit. The way that people I, are, I agree. Are, te- are tearing each other apart. We're going with Mills this year, unless he gets hurt. Like it's, It is his chance he gets something that is never done in the NFL. He gets the opportunity to develop. Which... You know, some quarterbacks come into the league and they light the league on fire. Some, like Josh Allen, took a couple of years. And Josh Allen is a great example. The NFL. Jalen Hurts as well. Jalen Hurts. The uh, pressure that's on them or on teams and on management to get a franchise quarterback right away leads to them not giving quarterbacks enough time to develop. Like, it's something that I have argued for years that – You know, it would be interesting to see how this guy would turn out if a team gave him a chance. Now, I get it because you don't want to burn a roster. Your windows to have competitive rosters are so small. Um, You don't want to get stuck in QB purgatory where they're just good enough. Like, I get that. I get that argument. But at the same time, for us, the situation the franchise has decided – it is too early to make any definitive statements about Mills because the franchise has already decided this is what they're doing. They're going to give him a chance to develop something that never happens. They're going to take this year. It's his year. Now, if he looks like he did at the end of the season, like he did this past week, and he has no good games, then yeah, it's reason to concern. It's like right now, statistically, 
Like, I believe he is still currently a top 15 quarterback. Yeah. Which is just something about quarterback league. Like, he is, if you look at statistics, he is right above average. If you look at EPA, which is the, um, where if they took a replacement level quarterback, he is slightly below a replacement level quarterback. But if you look at how everybody's actually played, he's slightly above the average level. Yeah. What does that mean? Nothing. Absolutely nothing at this point. We don't know what any team is. Nobody knows how good the Broncos defense is, how good the Colts team defense is. Nobody knows if it's just Hep Hamilton forgetting how to call plays and has to get back into rhythm. Nobody knows if Davis Mills just completely fell off the truck and forgot how to play football because, you know, it's only two weeks into the season. And he's our quarterback regardless. Nobody has to make any decisions. Nobody has to start arguing. I mean, that's part of the fun of it is to start arguing. But you don't have to say anything definitively yet. There's a lot of takes out there where people have jumped off a quarterback way too soon. And there people kept – one of the things that was so much fun on Sunday on Twitter was people pulling up the receipts on people that bailed on Josh Allen. They're like, oh, this guy will never be good. This guy never has it. I'm trying to compare it to Mills. Now, is Mills going to be Josh Allen? No, he doesn't have the physical traits. But Mills did show at times, especially last year, that he could actually do a lot of the mental work that a quarterback is required to do already. He could make all the throws last year. I don't know what's up with his accuracy this year, but last year he could make the throws. Um, so we'll see. And I still think worst case is he's a very good backup quarterback. But that's still my expectation. If we get anything more from him, I'm happy because it just puts the franchise on a timeline a lot sooner to be competitive again. But if he's not a back, if he's not, if he's not the starter, I mean, we'll know at the end of the year, the Texans have the resources to go out and get one. And I actually think that our defense is going to be really good really quickly. So there's a lot of positives and we don't have to get so hung up on, on mills. Cause even though the defense is going to be a lot better than a lot of people expected, it's still not a, top tier defense it's just a lot better than it had been because last year it was the worst defense in the league two years ago it was the worst defense in the league all of a sudden we're gonna have or not last year i mean two years ago last year lovey actually did a pretty good job we ended up being an average defense but there's gonna be the, that progression where we're gonna have a slightly better than average defense a defense that at times could probably control a game the defense the past two weeks i mean i would argue that if we got anything out of the offense, should have we should have won the game. They played well enough. Um, but at the same time, winning, like I want to win, I hate losing. But it's not the end of the world right now if we lose because we're not supposed to be that team yet. We're not there to be that team where every win absolutely matters. Yeah. No, I'm, I, I agree. Um, and that kind of – that is a, a good segue into our next – conversation so mills regression this season in through two weeks it can change instantly it could change this week um but but a lot of what we saw from mills last year towards the end of the season um that i think had most people that were interested in seeing mills succeed excited was the fact that accuracy was his biggest strength I mean, he was one of the most accurate quarterbacks in the league last year. I think he set like some sort of record for like 
I don't, he's like the third ranked rookie to play with the highest completion percentage through 12 games in the history of the NFL. Like the guy was accurate. Um, now he's sailing balls. He's throwing them in the dirt. He doesn't look comfortable. Um, and he seems extremely gun shy. Like uh, the things I noticed about him that like this last week and the week before was not accurate. Seems gun shy. He's not going through his reads. He seems to be locking on to one read, uh, like, right out the gate. Um, I really don't like the rollouts. I don't think he's comfortable on rollouts. Throwing on the run doesn't seem to be a strength of his. Um, but, yeah, so I, I don't really know what's going on. I, only thing that's changed is Pep's play calling. I'm not a huge fan of it. We talked about it before. I know a lot of people like Pep. I think there's other reasons why people like Pep, and that those I agree with. But I think – from a play calling perspective, I just have not seen anything from Pep that makes me feel good. What if it about what if it is Pep is just great at developing quarterbacks, but not great at calling plays and uh, well, designing uh, plays? I, I mean, we I talked mean, about that. We talked about that at length last year. I mean, we also talked about at length that it wasn't a secret that him and um him and um shoot why am I why am I blanking on his name. <laughs> Um, our offensive coordinator last year, Tim um, Kelly. Tim Kelly, him and Tim Kelly had a lot of friction. So obviously they're going to do things. If they're going to do things differently this year under Pep, so maybe. And I mean, part of it may also be Pep hasn't called NFL plays in several years. He was calling the last time he was a play caller was with the XFL. Um, so it just maybe he just has to kind of get back in that groove. But, yeah, I mean, you're right. Like, there's some things that are very, very concerning. It doesn't seem like Mills is checking out of plays like he used to. Um, he is locking on. And the thing that everybody always complimented him on last year was he could take a sack and bounce right back up like nothing happened. This year, he fell apart after both of the, the sack against the Colts and then the sack, the, the sack and fumble. And then again against the Broncos, those sacks just not essentially knocked him out of the game. Yep, which was not him at all last year. No, so he, he that, actually would respond typically. Yeah. So, is that the play calling just locks down even further, or is that him not trusting the line, or is that him realizing, hey, I don't have anybody, I don't have a lot of talented receivers. And I mean, there's other interesting things. There's definitely some miscommunication going on because he'll throw the ball pretty much textbooks how you're supposed to throw where you're supposed to throw it and the receiver will be looking inside instead of outside he has not been helped with drops i mean some of those passes could have been a little bit more accurate but But they're also balls that should be caught they should be caught by nfl receivers that's right and i mean the cooks touchdown i know people are like why aren't we giving cooks a harder time about or cooks dropped touchdown pass is why isn't cooks receiving more flack well he's earned that like, yeah, if anybody can get away with, with, a, with a drop on the team, it's Cooks. Yep. But Cooks isn't the only example of a wide receivers dropping fairly easy passes to him. Yeah, and I, I think the other the biggest issue I have with Pep's offense um, is there's literally no rhythm whatsoever. Oh, no. There, there's no rhythm in, in his play calling in any form or fashion. Um, you know, outside of, like, the disastrous, like, Burkhead last week – getting all the snaps this week he gets zero like carries which is great bernard pierce looks like the guy but it's like run 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 
run, run, pass, 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 run, run, pass. It's very Bill O'Brien-esque, except the difference is in Bill O'Brien's scheme, wide receivers would be open. And this, like, the spacing is awful. Players aren't open. Uh, They got Davis Mills, like, doing – he had, like, three or four rollouts this last week, which I I just didn't understand. We're throwing fades – in the end zone to Brandon cooks where like, why is Nico not the fade guy? Um, and not that like fades aren't a successful play in the, in the first place. But like, if you're going to give your wide receiver a chance, you would think it'd be the six, four guy, not the five eleven guy. Um, I, there's just so many questions I have about the offense that just really don't make sense. And, Nobody seems to be bringing that up. Like it, it's pretty much just that Mills sucks, which is totally fine. Have your your thought and like deliver it. Tweet I mean, about he whatever might. It may be. We don't we don't know for sure yet. <laughs> he might. But but and he might he might. Yeah, suck. I, mean, I mean, absolutely. I mean that that might be fair. But, but I mean, Dave, like I just, history would tell yeah. us he doesn't suck. I yeah. think suck is an unfair word. History shows us he doesn't suck. Yeah, you can't do what he did the last six games, and I'm not saying like he did something like a top five quarterback would do, but he was consistent the last six weeks. It, he was delivering the ball, he was going through his reads, he was accurate, he was able to make out out throws. He's he can't make those this year at all. He cannot make an out throw in any form or fashion. It sails over or in the dirt every time. Yeah, I mean it's very very concerning. Um, you would think this year between the the offensive line has three first rounders on it i mean you've got brandon cooks who is criminally underrated and pierce is something like he is absolutely something so the team has definitely improved around mills but instead of mills getting better he's regressed and Again, I mean, it may be play calling. It may just be still filling everybody out. It may be just growing pains. I mean, sometimes that happens. Like, there's definitely quarterbacks out there that are very good quarterbacks that had two mediocre games in a row. And that's the only thing that I would actually say about Mills is he was mediocre. He wasn't horrible, but he was mediocre. Yeah, I don't don't really understand it. It's extremely weird to me, um, but hopefully, hopefully things will start to. At the end of the day, I got to remind myself like it's week two, and there are things like that they're showing and implementing that they did not show in preseason. I'm sure they worked. I know they worked on it in training camp, so maybe we'll see more and more as the season goes on. But as of right now, I'm not a huge fan of Pep Hamilton in this offense. Um, great quarterback coach, not looking like a great. Uh, offensive play caller in any form or fashion. Uh, the other thing that frustrates me is the lack of usage of Nico Collins. I, I understand people are saying like they're out on Nico already, all these things. I've actually seen the opposite from Nico to make me think that it, if we can get him the ball, he's he's going to be fine. But if the ball isn't being delivered to him, it, it's really hard to understand what he's capable of or should be. Um, he's open. He just needs to be more involved. No, I mean, that's fair. Like, again, it's another one of those situations where 
are they not scripting the games to him? Is this the same sort of thing where, um, like last year, where Mills actually got better when when um, Cooks got hurt because he was going through his reads and he wasn't just going to the one guy that he knew overwhelmingly that he could trust? I mean, it's one of those things that I, I think we just have to kind of wait and see a little bit on it. Like, it's hard to say that they're completely out on Nico. It's hard to say, again, that it's out on Mills. It's only been two weeks. Two weeks, y'all. Yeah, I, I'd be interested. I would, I would like to see a game where where Brandon Cooks is out, um, because I thought like we saw it last year, and when Cooks was out, he looked fine. Um, so I don't know. It'll be interesting to see for sure. Um, all right, Bernard Pierce. I think the the, the story of the offense, the the thing that fans are most excited about. Look, I, I don't know the last time we had a good running back. I honestly, can't think about it. I, I would still probably say Aaron Foster. Foster. Yeah, yeah, I, I would, I would still say Arian. Um, we did get some a good season from Carlos Hyde, uh, a good season from Lamar Miller, uh, but nothing like this. This, this is what we're looking for in in the run game. Look, Bernard Pierce is a aggressive downhill runner that has also the ability to cut back. He has great vision. Um, doesn't really have an offensive line that can block for him yet. Let's see if that continues with the chemistry with the starting five kind of being the starting five. Now, Kenny green being in there, he's going to have some rookie mistakes, but I love that. He's always looking for contact. I love that. He always keeps his legs moving. He never stops no matter what in the pile. He is, his legs are moving to get that extra yard or two. Those are the type of things that you're looking for in a running back. I, I think, Pierce is probably the most exciting thing about our offense as of right now. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's good. He falls forward. Um, he runs with aggression. He makes his, his decision and he goes, there's some plays like the, the toss in the first quarter that it's like, what, 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 what are we trying to do there? But yeah. And I mean, it also brings up another thing that's kind of interesting. Why did Lovey Smith have to, to say, hey, Pierce needs to be in there more. Like, I get that Burkhead knows the offense better, but at this point, like, Pierce really isn't a, isn't a liability in class protection. I mean, he, he does need to improve, but he's not a liability there. He's a lot he's better than most rookies. Yeah, and he's, well, he, a, the he's easily, the best, easily the best runner on the team. Easily. <clears throat> now, maybe yeah. he doesn't know every receiving route. Maybe he doesn't know every check down. But at the same time, it's just questioning how the first week of the season, Burke had absolutely dominated the snaps. And that had to be called out. That is concerning. Yeah, I think the biggest thing with pass protection when it comes to your running back, it's really just a willingness and effort to block. Um, if the running back does not want to do it, they are not going to be good. It's almost like anything else in life. But if they are, they want to do it, they're a willing blocker, um, you're going to get the same effort from Pierce that you are on a run as you would a pass blocking. So um, he, he's not great, but he's going to get better. Um, didn't do a lot of it in college, but that's fine. I also, I mean, I think he'd be fine in the passing game too. Um, the, there really isn't a reason for Burkhead to ever see the like the field. Um, I would have preferred 
on that wheel route for that to be Bernard Pierce than Rex Burkett. Um, so, yeah, no, I, I agree. All right, the offensive line uh, was, was the talk of the town um, Sunday. Definitely, they had, a, they had a decent first half, but then the second half, everything seemed to be crumbling down. Um, the Broncos were living in the backfield. Do we just kind of chalk it up to a first week with this lineup? No Justin Britt, no McCray. Kenny Green is inserted next to Tunsil. Um, I mean, it looks like this, that like we've always talked about it. There's a lot of camaraderie and chemistry that needs to be established with an offensive line. Um, I, I think it's, I don't, I, I don't think you should have the expectations that the offensive line is going to be uh, where it should be the first week they play as a unit. Um, but are there concerns with the offensive line? Not really. They're fine. I mean, you still got a rookie there, but I, I didn't see anything in my mind that is just overwhelmingly a red flag. Um, I was actually impressed with Questenberry. Uh, um, I was surprised by that because I was, I was concerned that he was going to be this huge liability out there. But, I mean, he looked fine. Um, so I'm not really worried about them. Is there? There's other things going on, mm-hmm. and I'm surprised to say for probably the first time in like 10 years as a Texans fan, it's really not the offensive line in my mind that is an overwhelming concern. I agree. I don't really see a reason for concern yet. I will say that like, and and honestly, even with Tunsil, I know that he wasn't great Sunday. But when was the last time Tunsil played prior to this yeah. season? <laughs> like, I, I don't know what shape he's in, but I would assume he continues to get better. Titus, you know, I understand the concern, but, like, we also have moved Titus around so much that, like, I want to see him play at right tackle, and I want to see what he's capable of doing. <clears throat> Quisenberry was fine. He was an upgrade over Britt if we're, if we're going to keep it a buck. Um Britt just lacked effort all of last week, and uh, Quisenberry didn't look like that. So I agree yeah. with the offensive line. I'm kind of in like wait and see mode. Um, they didn't play their best game, but I can see them continuing to get better. Uh, so I'm just going to hold off on that on judgment on yeah. that and just kind of see where things go. And that's pretty much where I'm at. Like they just need to play together a little bit more. Um, the the talents there. I mean, to me. A lot of the things just looks like they're not used to playing with each other, maybe a little bit of mental stuff, but they're not in, in my opinion, in a bad spot. They're actually a lot better than than I, than I thought they would be. And then again, it may just be me being a Texans fan used to having bad offensive lines. Yeah. But comparatively, like I'd have taken this line over, I mean, just about any that we've had the past couple of years. Yeah, no, so. I would agree. I would agree 100%. All right. Um, Defense. So, you know, the defense, I'm going to be honest, I'm kind of surprised with how good the defense is actually playing. Um, They've kept us in the games. The defense has played well enough for us to win both games. Uh, I know last week they kind of had, I I wouldn't say a meltdown, but Indianapolis in the fourth quarter started to put things together. Uh, But the defense was on the field quite a bit. Dumb penalties, but yet, you know, like the PI on Derek Stingley, rookie, yeah, he's gonna make the mistake, um, but they are playing pretty well. Need to get. I, I feel like we need to get after the quarterback a little bit more. 
But I know we have a couple defensive ends that are out. It'll be nice to see a fresh rotation. That's definitely what Lovey wants to do on the defensive line is get guys in and rotate them in and out to have fresh bodies on the field. Um, and the secondary looks solid. The secondary looks extremely good. They didn't have their best game this last week. Derek Stingley is a rookie. I understand how good he is, but he's going to have these moments. Um, it's just the way it, it, it goes, and it's the second hardest position to play in the NFL. Uh, yeah. but, and then Steven Nelson, by far, like the best off season addition Nick Casario ha- had in 2022 is Steven Nelson. The guy's playing great football. Yeah. He, I mean, he absolutely is that defense, the defense gives us hope that we're going to be a competitive team and almost, I almost hate to say it. Like they're almost playing too well because now the offense, like I, I say this jokingly again, I, I want to win. I, I, football is a lot more fun when we are competitive, when we're winning. So don't get me wrong. But the defense has gotten to the point where they've improved so quickly from where they were that we want the same thing for our offense. And it's almost putting unfair expectations on the improvement of the offense. And there hasn't been the – I don't think there's been the investment on the offensive side of the ball the way there has been on the defense. But – that could just be me um, because we are – maybe it's also just like a New England thing. But, I mean, I hope Nico gets better. But Cooks and Nico are, are NFL players. I could almost argue that they are the only two wide receivers on our roster that are truly NFL players. Like, no other receivers impress me at all. So – it's yeah, just, and I, I just bring that up to just kind of compare because the defense, on the other hand, the defense looks great. Like the defense should be, they're gonna they're gonna mess with everybody's expectations this year. They're gonna start to give everybody hope because they are a good enough defense. They are more than a good enough defense. Like we had this defense three years ago. Like, oh my god, dude. Yeah, no, this I is agree. still an improvement, and this is still an improving defense. Like they're still just going to get better. Yeah, well, there, you know, lots of rookies on defense. So there's a lot of optimism to to think that the defense will get better. Um, you know, Stingley's only going to get better. Petrie's only going to get better. We have to hope that Thomas Booker is only going to get better. Garrett Wallow has not seen the field yet. He wasn't a rookie th- uh, this year, but he was a rookie last year. Uh, played pretty well at the end of the season before getting hurt. It'll be interesting and they moved to see him, And they moved Wallow up from safety to linebacker. Uh, no, we drafted him as a linebacker. Oh, we drafted him as a linebacker? Yeah, he was the same team in college. Yeah. Oh, okay, sorry. Um, so it, there's only there's only there should only be optimism that the defense is going to get better and continue to get better as the players continue to develop, get more snaps, things of that nature. Uh, it's going to be a long season for Stingley and Petrie coming out of college, playing in college football, then off like basically their draft preparation off season. Now they really had no break. Um, but I can't wait to see what they're capable of. I really, I really like the addition of Steven Nelson. I think as Stingley gets more comfortable, um, it's going to be fun to watch how good he actually is um, and what he adds to his game. But yeah, I, I'm excited about the defense. I don't, I don't really think there's any, like, I, I wouldn't say there's any reason to be down on the defense. Like, obviously you can always be better, but this defense is a lot better than I expected them to be. Um, and, and like Jalen Petrie is just, Honestly, he's a baller. This dude is yeah. everywhere. He's everywhere. This guy's going to make was, a lot of money in this league. 
somebody was giving him a hard time after the missed tackles because he he uh he led the league in missed tackles. Yeah. You know what? You have to be in a position to miss tackles, and that's he right. is everywhere. There's a reason that's why, because right. he was always there. And that's something that you can you can fix too. So it's yeah. like where where like if you're there in the position to make the play, make the tackle, I'll take that and a missed tackle over not being in a position to make the play. Um, because those are going to lead to interceptions. Those are going to lead to strip sacks. Those like, I mean, strip yeah, like, it's just gonna lead to chaos. like, it's just going to lead to, yeah, exactly. It's going to lead to turnovers. Um, so I get it. He's whiffed on a couple. He's going to get better at it. But as of right now, like Petrie is probably my favorite player from this draft, just from a, the way he plays. I, I like him a lot. I think him and Stingley are going to be really fun to watch for an extremely long time here. Derek Stingley, on the other hand, look, he had a bad game. He's going to have a bad game. Cortland Sutton, for those that aren't aware, is a very good wide receiver, and he's extremely big and strong. Um, that pass interference call, I think, got in Derek Stingley's head. I, th- I think he was just a little – I think he was a little worried after that to be able to – you know, if you watch the tape, he's not getting as physical with, with Sutton after the pass interference call by the end zone. He's kind of shying away from contact, and, you know, he – that's going to happen when you give up a 65 yard penalty yeah. for a rookie, but I'm and happy again, with that's, Stingley. That's what happens with rookie corners. I mean, every rookie corner, every, they go through this. Like, that's a good thing. Like pass interference when they're a rookie, it's going to happen. Cause they're still getting adjusted to the NFL, getting adjusted to the physicality. And it also, he's going to get targeted because he's a rookie and it's just going to continue until it's not. And you know, he keeps going out there and he shows that this is the year to target him because he's going to be a player for a long time. Yeah, I agree. Um, all right. Uh, topics from the listeners. Uh, we have quite a bit of things that they wanted to touch on, so I thought we'd get to it. So first one, which I'll let you take this because I haven't watched any college football. Which quarterbacks are we looking at in the 2023 draft? I have no idea yet. That's it's what week, I said. It's week three in, in college. Like, y'all, chill. Chill. We don't. I mean, I see off, Stroud. Everybody loves Stroud. Maybe. I mean, he hasn't really been. Nobody this year has really jumped off, in my opinion. Um, it may. Who knows? Like, last year at this time, we were talking about Spence Rattler. You know? We were talking about Sam Howell as yep. being potential top quarterbacks. And it's amazing how quickly that changed by draft time. So, yeah. Y'all, just chill. Just chill. We'll, we'll, we'll see here towards the end of the season. Hopefully. You don't we'll... know which guy. And you don't even know if quarterback's going to be necessar- necessarily a need. I mean, most likely will, but who knows? Like, who knows? It's still week two. Let's not overreact too bad, too much yet. Yeah, and then our, our friend Chris Otto uh, said, head coaching candidates for the offseason. <laughs> I hope he's saying that as a joke. Yeah, I can't see – full transparency, I can't see Lovey Smith gone after this year. Um, no. No matter how the season goes. I think I think Lovey's here for at least two. Um, uh, yeah, two to three. Which honestly for me works out perfectly because Bra- Joe Brady's going to have his year with to to redo his image with Josh Allen this year. Next year, he'll start to garner some interviews and interest, and then boom, in 2024, <laughs> Joe Brady can be our head coach. Oh, you just will never Texas. give up on that. 
Um, no, I mean, I would say that Smith is here for three years because they want to establish stability. Um, and who knows who our next head coach is going to be. Now, well, I think it's potential that they start churning offensive coordinators. I think that that is more likely with Lovey Smith because that has also been the reason why he hasn't stuck around in the NFL um, is not getting the right offensive coordinator. Now, I hope Pep Hamilton's it, I, but, I mean, based on his previous showing as an offensive coordinator in the league and what we've seen so far, again, it's only two weeks, so I don't want to overreact anywhere, but he's already coming in with that disadvantage. He may be the best coach at developing quarterbacks, but maybe wasn't the right call on actually being the offensive coordinator. Well, if we look back at the offseason, right, there were rumors swirling that no, that the Texans didn't want Pep back. Um, and that, like, he went out, I think he had an interview with Carolina, or he had an interview somewhere else. Um, and I don't believe it was for an offensive coordinator position. Um, that is correct. And I did not see a ton of interest in Pep as a OC in the offseason. So, you know. Well, they kept I mean, they kept him because of stability. That, that's yeah, all it worked. That's well, all it meant. Well, they had to promote him from QB coach because they wouldn't keep him as a QB coach. I think that he had a couple of offers on the table, and it looked like if he was passed over, he was going to move on to another to another staff. Which, I mean, if you were bringing in a different offensive coordinator, they should be allowed to choose their own QB coach. So I'd almost I'd understand that, but. So what you had to do to keep Pep Hamilton was make him offensive coordinator. And I get it. You want that stability. I, and it was celebrated at the time because of the work he did do with Mills. But it just goes back that I just think that based on what we've seen from him is he's one of the best at developing quarterbacks, but I don't think he has the rhythm to call plays. Like, I think he needs somebody, he needs a offensive assistant that helps him with play calling. And Similar to what we said about Tim Kelly last year, Tim Kelly needed an offensive assistant to teach him rhythm and to teach him how to to call a run game because he obviously didn't have it, but he could design phenomenal passing plays. Pep Hamilton, I think, teaches Mills how to read the offense or read the defense, and but I see a lot with so far with Pep Hamilton still trying to do what he did with Andrew Luck was instead of playing to his team's strengths, he was trying to attack the other team's weakness. And you have to find that balance. Like, that's a similar complaint we had about Bill O'Brien. They were so focused on attacking the other team's weaknesses that they didn't really always play to their own strengths. And I just think we're falling into that same hole where you've got to find that balance. Like, the best play callers find that balance. Yeah, I also think, like, when it comes to Lovey, I I could be wrong here, but I could easily see this being, like, a Romeo Cronell type of thing where – Lovey's here. He's he's bringing stability. He's the head coach for, you know, I, I see two years, maybe three. Then he's taken back in an advisory role. We're hiring a head coach. Head coach comes in and brings in his new staff. Like, that's honestly how I see this kind of going. This is how I see it moving forward. I don't see Lovey not being a part of the organization. I think right now it's just as much stability as possible in a, especially from a defensive perspective, and from a leadership perspective, to understand the voice, what they want to accomplish. I think Lovey will execute what Nick wants, whatever the blueprint Nick has laid out for the organization to move forward. And Lovey is that guy. I think he's the perfect guy for that. The 
The players respect him. They play hard for him. They're, they definitely play fast on defense. Um, and honestly, that's kind of where I see his role going. I, I I can't see us letting him go this year, though, to be honest. Uh, all right. Uh, playoff chances. You know, look, the AFC South is in a disastrous state. We're recording on Tuesday, the day after the Titans got their asses just molly whopped by the Buffalo Bills. I found it extremely funny that people thought the Titans were going to be good this year. Um, th- there's no reason to believe that they were going to be good this year. They can hand it off to Malik Willis, and I really honestly don't believe that there will be any difference in this team. Yeah. Um, they're just not a good team. I think Vrabel will be on the hot seat at the end of the season. Um, they they are not good. The Colts are not good. The Texans are not good. And the Jags are not good. Even though the Jags beat the Colts, <laughs> uh, the Jags are not good. Um, and honestly, the AFC South is wide open. Um, yeah. We tied our one division game so far, which could come into play later on down the season, depending on how we finish in the division. Uh, but we still have two games against the Titans, two games against the Jags, and one game against the Colts. Uh, the AFC South is up for grabs, but the Texans have a lot of work they got to do. They're going to have to get better on offense. Davis Mills is going to have to play better. Um, <clears throat> but at this point, anything's possible. I, I, I could see us winning the division just because the division is so bad. But it's going to take a, a course correction from Lovey and Pep. Um, and, and Davis Mills is going to have to start to perform for there to be an opportunity to actually win the division. Um, I don't really understand the logic of not winning the division and not getting to the dance. I think that's a very stupid and illogical approach to football. You get into the playoffs whenever you can get into the playoffs. It really doesn't matter the year. And then when you take into account the amount of draft capital that Nick Casario has at his expense, you also have to take into account the fact that, I mean, the Browns just lost to Joe Flacco and the Jets. They're not going to be good until Deshaun gets back. They may not even be good when Deshaun does get back. So you're going to have potentially a top 10 pick there. You're going to likely have a top 10 pick here. If you can make the playoffs and get into the dance, you do it. Anything literally can happen. I mean, anything can happen in the playoffs. You want to punch your ticket into the playoffs and just throw your dart at the dartboard and hope that it sticks. And and maybe you make a run. There's we've seen it time and time again, where teams come in, they're not good. And all of a sudden it clicks in the playoffs. They get a bunch of lucky breaks and boom, you know, they make a pretty deep run. Um, Anything can happen in the playoffs. I definitely agree. Like it's, it sucks to be at home watching other teams in the playoffs. How many times have we said that the past couple of years? Like we took it for granted. We absolutely took it for granted. And I think even those individuals that are saying that right now that are like, oh, we don't want to win. I think that's just their way of kind of fooling themselves to make the season more watchable for them, to lower their own expectations, yep. more so than them actually meaning it. I don't think people legitimately mean that. They would much rather win. They would much rather get excited about the team. They would much rather us go on a streak of just something improbable, which happens. Like, that's why we watch sports. Like, you never quite know. And to say, honestly, like, we don't know if the AFC South sucks. It looks like it sucks. It looks like it's going to be the easiest division in football to win, which if that happens, then the, then we are definitely going to be right there in the thick Because <clears throat> the team actually does not look bad defensively, and something's going to happen with the offense. Something has to happen with the offense. Even if it, they just turn into a pure ground and pound and you run Pierce until his wheels fall off. Like, we've seen teams win like that. 
Yeah. Yeah, no, I agree. I think um I think it's really interesting. Like there are with, with the AFC South where it is currently, if it if it continues down this path, you potentially have Mike Vrabel on the hot seat. And I, I would assume that Frank Reich is on the hot seat as well. I mean, I think this is year five. Oh, definitely. Um year five, I think it's their fifth quarterback in in, in five years that he's been there, right? They had he had luck for one year. He had Jacoby Brissett. He had Philip Rivers. Uh, they had Carson Wentz, and now they have Matt Ryan, um, who looks washed right now. Who, so. yeah, he he does look washed. So you got two head coaches in the AFC South who potentially could be on the hot seat and lose their job come Black Monday. Um, it's an interesting place for the AFC South to be. Jags definitely have an opportunity to take advantage of it. Um, because they do have Trevor Lawrence, who I'm not a huge fan of. I don't think he's this generational talent, but I do think he's he could be a very good quarterback. Um, well, I think and... you're also with with Lawrence. I think he has all the talent. Like, but that doesn't that doesn't really mean that he's going to be the best quarterback ever. Like, he has right. his ceiling is as high as any quarterback I've ever seen, which is terrifying. But it doesn't mean he's going to hit his ceiling. But yeah, you're right, and. I didn't, I didn't mean to cut you off. I just think that people think that we are always trashing on Lawrence. And it's like, no, we're not trashing on him. We're just saying that the Jaguars are a trash franchise. And they have an ability to ruin even the best prospects. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't say that he has the highest ceiling I've ever seen from a quarterback coming out of college. I think Andrew Luck would definitely be – would probably take that piece. But um, he's up there for sure based on what he did in college. Um and the Jags have an opportunity to take advantage of where the AFC South is currently. Um, you know, if they could put together a decent season and, and have some stability at head coach and play calling and start to add some talent to that roster, they're in a good position if Lawrence can hit the ceiling. Um, so it's interesting. But all right, uh, a couple more. Um, why is Burkhead still here? Uh, one of the questions slash topics from a listener. Honestly, I, I can't answer that question. I I don't know why Burkhead is still here. He can't bring that much of a veteran presence that he's impacting the team in a way that's worth a roster spot. I don't have anything personal against Burkhead. He's an okay player, but for a team that's in a rebuild and looking to add talent, I'd much rather take a flyer on a undrafted running back than have Rex Burkhead on my team. I tend to agree. Like Burkhead's one of those guys, like he knows the offense. He's just, he's just good enough that if we were a roster or if we were a team that was seriously playoff contention, like he's a good backup running back, but that's when you have him sandwiched between two young guys. For us at this point, I mean, and also with the understanding that he would not be taking up as many touches as he had been. Um, if the splits continue where Pierce is getting 75 to 80% of the work, I, I'm still cool with Burkhead, even though I wish they'd go out and try and find somebody else that's younger that could be around for a couple of years, but maybe they see him as a coach on the field. I mean, if you watch him, like Burkhead is always where he's supposed to be. I mean, he's just athletic enough, but you're right. Like he take find a lotto ticket we're not we're not at a place where we need that guy that's super defendable that has no upside like go find a lottery ticket that has potentially more upside find somebody that can really run find somebody that can 
really be a value in the passing game. But what do I know? Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree. Um, I agree. All right. Uh, this one comes from Figgy Fig. When should the Texans move on from Mills completely? Like invest in another quarterback. I think what Figgy's looking for is what like what is the time frame to like know that it's time to move on from Mills? I don't think he's saying move on from Mills. He's saying when and what should happen for that to be the case. I mean, we're gonna see. Honestly. Doesn't really answer I... the question, John. <laughs> I mean, what I'm trying to say there is he has the entire season. So what, at what point do we decide if he's worth keeping versus moving on? I mean, it's if you go through the majority of the season and he's not showing any improvement, he's continuing to show regression. If he turns out he's a roller coaster where he's like, who who's the guy? Not Kirk Cousins. Um, where you don't or where you don't know if he's good one week, bad the next. Then I think maybe you move on for somebody more consistent, or you start looking for somebody more consistent. If he continues to show this side of him, where he seems like he's playing scared or rattled, I think you move on from him, regardless of what the stat line looks like. But again, we don't get to have to make that decision really until the end of the season, and hopefully by that point we'll have something definitive. Like if we're not sure that it's the right quarterback, I would think they would look for a replacement. If there's even any sort of gray after having an entire season with them, that would be my assumption, but it may also be Casario knows what he wants for a quarterback and he's going to wait until that, that quarterback actually shows up because that's usually where um, GMs kind of make, make the reputation. It's like, do they find a quarterback or do they not? And so if you delay that decision until you're more certain, there might be a little bit more job security that way. Yeah, I, I would say that I think the time that they'll likely move on, depending on how this season goes, I think there's two different ways this can go. If he continues down, if Davis Mills continues down the path he's on currently, I can see them moving on from him in the offseason. Um, I could see them moving on from him prior to that. I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, they take a practice squad quarterback, um, and throw him in and just let Davis Mills ride the pine. I don't, I don't know. I, I, I could see that happening, though, if he's playing as bad as he's been playing. Um, I think if he plays well enough to where they win some games, but they don't view him as the franchise quarterback, if they're not in love with the quarterback that's on the board next next draft, I could see them riding with Mills again for another season. Um but I, I would assume that there will be a decision made this offseason. I, I think that they'll have an understanding. They'll have a big enough body of work from Davis Mills to know that this is not going to work with him at quarterback and we can't do what we need to do. But I think there's so many other things that play a part in this outside of just Davis's development. I think, you know, what are the other players that we've drafted over the last two years? How are they developing and what are they showing? Like, are they taking the next step? when is this roster ready to compete? I think it's probably going to be the question that Nick Casario is asking himself before he decides when it's time to invest in another quarterback. Um, some of these players are a year off. Um, we don't really know when we're going to see the Derek Stingley that we're expecting to see. Like there's just so many questions around the roster that need to be answered. But I, I would assume that we would have enough body work after this year, as long as, you know, barring injury that, 
Nick would under, know when it's time to move on from Davis, and I would assume it'll be after this season. Yeah, so that's and, I mean, there's thought. a lot of things that us as fans just won't know. So when these routes that are being thrown to the wrong route, who's that on? Is that on Mills or is that on the receiver? There's yeah, little yeah. things. There's little oh. things like that that we won't we won't be able to actually sit there and evaluate. They may give Mills more of a leash than we're even comfortable with as fans because they may go back through and look at it. It's like, well, this was off. This was off. This was off. So. I really don't like this anticipation timing offense. It really does bother me quite a bit. Um, we didn't see Davis develop last year or look better when that was the situation. We saw Davis look better when he was able to sit back and, and, and start to dissect the defense and understand what was coming and go through his reads. I, I really don't like this one, two, three, throw, one, two, three, throw, hope, hope he's there. I'm not a big fan of that. I don't think it plays to his strengths in any way. Like he went to Stanford. He's not a stupid guy. He's an extremely smart guy. I think we're better off with like calling the plays and putting him in a position to be able to go through his reads and actually make the decision himself instead of it being a predetermined read on a predetermined route and asking him to time the ball or time the throw to the receiver or tight end or running back at, at the specific time. I'm all about anticipation. It's needed. It's one of the biggest things that a quarterback can do. Lead your wide receiver, you know, th- make a throw that opens the wide receiver. Basically, you throw them open, but we're not seeing any of that from this this offense this year. It, it's very, very much on script. Everything is on script. And I don't think that plays to his strengths. Yeah, it definitely feels like this weird hybrid. Of no, like Bill O'Brien. Of, yeah, of a of the Bill O'Brien Patriots offense that we're used to and West Coast offense where it's one, two, three, three-step drop back based on the coverage. You should know where the ball goes um, versus actually, you know, what the players are actually doing. But you're right. It's, I don't know. I don't know if this plays to his strengths. And that's one of the things that I think Rivers McCallan actually made a great, great, point about with with quarterbacks is they've got to prove that they can play multiple different systems because when it comes to the NFL coaches they're usually going to revert back to what they what they know what they feel like they've had success with and the thing that worried me about Pep Hamilton was how he described his offense as a no-coast offense that he likes to pull from everywhere when you do that lots of times you don't have an identity yeah and I'm afraid that may be kind of like the similar situation we're in now, where the offense just doesn't have an identity. Yeah, no, I would agree. I would agree. All right. Uh, that's about it. Uh, appreciate everybody adding some topics and questions to this. I uh, really do appreciate it. It was nice to be able to work through an agenda for once. I'm glad I had some time to be able to do it. Um, John, what else you got? Anything else? Nope, that's it. Thoughts on the Bears game. My bad. Wow, what just happened there? Um, thoughts on the Bears game? I mean, the Bears. Wipe your two fingers too fast and it'll go, it'll take you to your previous page you were on instead of. Uh, yeah. No, the Bears, I mean, they look like they don't trust Fields to do anything more than be a running back. So 
if that's the case, I actually think that it's going to be a very <clears throat> boring game as a spectator because I don't think there's going to be a lot of points. But I think that from a competitive nature that we'll definitely be in it and it wouldn't surprise me if we get our first one. Yeah, I, I can see the Texans winning this game. Uh, this could be very reminiscent of the Cleveland's Brown, Cleveland Browns game from like 2019 where it was just mm-hmm. terrible weather and we didn't see anything happen except you're going to take away terrible weather and it's just not going to happen because neither <laughs> offense is good. Uh, <laughs> uh, but, yeah, I agree. I think the, the, the Texans should be able to go in here. Uh, defense should be able to control fields. I, I'm assuming they'll be able to contain them, honestly, from the from a run perspective. Um, and and the, the Bears' defense isn't amazing. Um, I could see some things going the right way for, for our offense, for Davis Mills. Just depends on the adjustments made by Pep and Davis. But, uh, yeah, I would expect the Texans to get their first win uh, this week, um, which would be nice. Uh, get on the get on there, maybe the Jags lose, and now everybody's tied at the top of the AFC South, and we'll just kind of see where things go. But uh, cool. Well, John, with that being said, um, I don't have anything else. Appreciate you guys listening. Make sure you guys tell a friend about us. Uh, Texans unfiltered. You guys can follow us on Twitter uh, at young under re underscore gold. And you can follow John at John a way three. Appreciate you guys tuning in. Uh, I'll have the podcast up uh, here in the next, I would say probably 30 minutes. uh, And then John will work on the video. So um, with that being said, guys, uh, good luck this week. Enjoy the Texans versus bears. And we'll catch you guys next week.